0: Good morning, happy Father's Day to those of you who are fathers, welcome, come on if you'd all stand up with us, we're going to worship the Heavenly Father. See?
1: thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts jesus we thank you that it's uh, father's day Um, i just pray a blessing over each father who's in the house today lord we just know that it is a a blessing and a responsibility to be a dad to lead your family and so um father i just pray that you would equip each each dad in the room to be able to do that effectively for your kingdom jesus Lord, we just submit ourselves to you. We thank you that we can come here and worship you in spirit and in truth this morning. Jesus, you're so, so good, and you're so worthy of praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, you can take your seats. My name's Curtis. It's great to see you all. Hi, hello, hello, hi. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so today's Father's Day, if you didn't know, hurry last minute write a card to your dad and hand it to him or something um but yeah we're super glad to have you here uh, in the house of the lord worshiping as dj said the greatest father um, our heavenly father and we love him so much Uh, so if you are new here and you want to get connected we have communication cards in the seat backs in front of you or at the info center so If you wanna get connected, just fill one of those out. You can drop it in the collection box we have at the Info Center or um, on your way out uh, in the hallway back back behind us, behind me. Also, we're gonna be having a grand opening celebration July 10th. Um, So I know we're in here, we know that we're here, but not everybody knows that we're here, right? Um, So we're gonna have a big celebration. Uh, It's a great opportunity to invite friends, family, anybody who may not know that we're here. Um, And it's going to be really fun. We're going to have a barbecue. We're going to have, I think we're going to have cake. If we, if we're not having cake, then I'm sorry. Um, We should have cake, right, Ron? We should, yes. Okay, cool. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so it's going to be really fun. That's uh, July 10th, so that's coming up. And uh, just log that in your brain. Invite somebody that you see in your daily life. Um, And also, we've got a Father's Day video. And after that, Ron's going to come up and and give us the word. So we're going to cue that video now.
2: Good morning. I just want to make a few comments about the video. So one of the things, the opening statements was, fathers are one of the most powerful forces in the universe. You know, we live in a very interesting time now in in our culture of today where there really is an assault on family uh, and an assault especially on on fathers and and godly fathers. And the points that were brought up there is to pray for father's who work long hours, fathers who are now grandfathers. Pray for those who have lost their father and for those who grew up with an absent father. Pray for single and divorced fathers and for fathers who have, have children with special needs and also for fathers who have lost their children. A lot of circumstances happen in life in, in families and with fathers in particular. So Lord, we do want to take just a moment. Uh, you know... What the needs are, godly men, fathers, Lord, we so desperately need your touch and your wisdom and direction in our life. And so, Lord, for those fathers in particular that are really struggling, really uh, dealing with the challenges that they're, that they're facing, Lord, that they would feel really encouraged and empowered by you, and that you would bring answers where they're needed and, and direction in life where it's needed, and, and, and to help us as fathers to really stand firm and to be, as much as possible, a godly example to our children and to our families and to those around us, But we commit our lives to you, as always, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, as we continue, just a side note, a a cell phone was turned in, and it made its way over to the info center. You found a home for it? Okay, we found a home for the cell phone. Any cell phones out there that don't have homes? Okay. (laughs) Take them over to the Info Center. Hey, just in case you're wondering, because this, this is the second Sunday that I'm up here and not Pastor Steve, is because Steve and Jolene have COVID. And so this is day 10 of their whole COVID experience. And I talked to Steve on Thursday. He's, you know, they're doing fine. They're just kind of exhausted and congested and, you know, the whole thing. And so I do expect that Steve and Jolene will be back. Uh, this this following Sunday. So I just want to pray for them as well, Lord. We lift up Pastor Steve and Jolene to you, Lord. Thank you for just their their godly example to us, Lord. Thank you for their leadership. And Lord, we do pray for them, spirit, soul, and body, that you would encourage them, touch them, heal them, give them the strength that they need, the healing that they need, need to, uh, yeah, just to start feeling good again, normal again, and be able to get, you know, Jump back into normal life, we pray. Lord, bless them. We love them. We thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So once again, I didn't know it before, but I'm, I'm teaching a series <laughs> from, from the, the book of James. So if you want to turn in your Bible or whatever device you use, we're going to be looking at the last section in James chapter 2. So James chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 26, and so the series the title of the series is healthy church life. So when we think about the life of the church, we're talking about, you know, the gathering of the saints, believers. We we come together, we worship together, we grow together, we live life together, and we want to make sure and do that in a really healthy way. So healthy church life part 2. That's the title. So last week when we looked at healthy church life part 1, we were looking at verses 1 through 13. And this had to do with showing favoritism, you remember that, um, and partiality and respect of persons in the church. And the issue there was just really an attitude, a bad attitude of the heart, which would prefer one person over another in the church community. And that came from James chapter 2, verse 9, where he says there, if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin and you're guilty of breaking the law. So it's a serious thing, that idea of showing favoritism. So in, in uh, last week, we looked at James, and it was what not to do, don't show favoritism, and he gave us some challenges about that. This week is also going to be what not to do, slightly different subject. We're looking this week, verses 14 through 26. This has to do with the topic of, of faith, professing faith without works, without actions, without Anything to back it up, good deeds, for example. The issue here is motivation. So what, a, what motivates us? What motivates you as a, a confessing believer in Jesus Christ? So that's really a question. What, most of what I'm going to be talking about today, I want you to take it personal and really uh, focus in on, on the things that James is talking about and look at it from a very personal lens. What motivates you? What motivates me? So are we, are, am I motivated by the Holy Spirit and the work that God is doing in my life, and therefore things that flow out of my life come from that motivation? Or am I motivated uh, by my own selfish ambitions? And, and that can be a real, a real clash at times, because we all have ambitions. Um, some of them are godly ambitions, and some of them are not. And so we have to think about the things that motivates. us motivate us in our life, James is encouraging us to take a good long look in the mirror and ask ourselves this question, am I truly saved? We're going to talk about that and, and open it up, try to answer that question. So look with me now in verse 14 where James begins. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, If you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? So let's see, we could find find out the answer to this question. Um, I'm sure we all know uh, a Christian, somebody who professes to be a Christian, a believer in Jesus, and yet if we look at their life, uh, their life shows almost no transformation, almost no change from their former life as an unbeliever, uh, virtually no good works, no actions that would validate their confession of faith. So it's easy to look at other people and, and kind of judge them and con- conclude where they are at. But we're not going to do that today. We're not going to look at others at all. We're going to look at, at ourselves. Uh, so let me now, just to be clear, James is not encouraging us to judge another person's salvation or, or motivation or anything. That's not what this is about. What James is trying to get us to do is to look in the mirror and and judge, I'm going to judge myself. Am I truly in the faith? Am I truly born again? Am I truly saved? So I want to pose that same question. I just want to reword it just a little differently. If you say, if you say that you are a Christian, but your actions don't show it or affirm it, Are you really saved? Are you really a Christian? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. So we have to start out by thinking about, well, what what does genuine faith look like? What is genuine faith? And here's what it is. It is a conviction about what the Bible declares to be true. So it's a a conviction. It's it's not an opinion uh, or even a belief system. It's a conviction. So genuine faith is the conviction about man's relationship to God, from the New Testament perspective, what does that mean? It means that man's relationship with God is exclusively found through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible declares. That's the truth that is being declared in the Scripture. And so we, our convictions flow from that. So remember the time uh, Jesus is speaking with the crowd, and he's talking about this very thing in John chapter 14, verse 6. Famous words, he says, Jesus says, I am the way, you can say it with me, I am the truth, and I am the life, no man comes to the Father except through me. It's pretty exclusive, isn't it? And yet that's what the Bible declares to be true. So genuine faith is a conviction about this, about this truth. So now let me make it personal. So for me, I am so convinced of the truth that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And that I have no access to the Father except through him. I'm so convinced of this truth that I will never be the same again. My life is, is, has been radically changed since I concluded and believed that truth. And I'm convinced of that truth. So, again, just to repeat from verse 14, James, again, he's saying, If you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? So, Pastor Steve uh, began James chapter one a few weeks back, and in James chapter one, verse twenty-two, this is what James says. There, he says, "Don't just listen to God's word; you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself." Jesus, in in sort of pressing this point home, again, he's speaking to. Uh, the crowds and those who were following him in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, he said, This he said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So we see the connection there. There's, there's got to be some, some action behind what we say we believe. So the Apostle Paul touches on this same subject as well. He's talking to Timothy. In the letter, sorry, actually to Titus, sorry about that. Titus chapter 3, verse 8, he, this is what he says to Titus. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. So it's not like, okay, I'm, I, I guess I have to do good works or actions because, because I'm supposed to. It, it's not that at all it's not a works kind of theology or belief system again it's it's we're so convinced and and moved by the holy spirit that we almost we can't help but reach out to people and 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 be a blessing to others because we're compelled to do that so it has nothing to do with with something i have to do it just flows from our life with christ in fact you were created for this I love this verse in Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, one of the unique things we're going to find out here is that the the good works or actions that he may have you do could be quite different than the ones that that I may do. Because again, he there, God prepared beforehand, and so you're a unique person. You've been uniquely uh, gifted and created as God's workmanship. So I think the best way to kind of put this to practical use is, what are the things that you just, you're really passionate about? You're really good at, gifted at. You just find so much joy in helping other people in these areas. It just seems to kind of flow from you. And we're going to look at that in just a minute as we look at uh, somebody that's mentioned in the New Testament. So as I mentioned earlier, James, he's challenged us to examine ourselves, to look in the mirror. And he continues in verse 15. He says, Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and it is useless. Pretty strong words there. Now, we we assume something when we look at this challenge by James. It's presumed here that, number one, that we have the resources to help this person. We have the resources to help this person, but instead of helping them, we refuse to help them. And just to be clear, we're not talking about the guy on the street corner holding up a sign saying that he needs food or money or whatever. We're not talking about that guy. What we're talking about is a brother or sister in Christ, someone that we know we have a relationship with them, and they have a legitimate need. And we have the resources to meet the need, but we are unwilling to help them. That's what James is talking about here. And also, uh, just so you know, this is not just a New Testament model or teaching. We find it in Proverbs chapter three, verse 27 in the Old Testament. He says, "Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. when it is in the power of your hand to do so, do not say to your neighbor, Go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it you to you when you have it with you today." Now we live in a time right now where things are super tight. I mean, everything's more and more expensive. Um, we always feel like, I feel like, you know, I don't really have enough. So you might be thinking, I barely have enough to meet my own needs. How can I be, you know, involved in meeting other people's needs? Well, first of all, let me, let me say this. God knows your need, and he has promised to meet your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, you know, if we think, well, I don't have enough to help someone in need, that, that's just simply not true. God knows your need. He's promised to meet your need. And not only that, would you like to be used by God as a, as a vessel, as a funnel, as it were, uh, to be a blessing to someone else so that God can then give you more resources so that you can be a blessing to others? See, that's ac- actually how it works in the kingdom of God is we, we think to ourselves, I'm not sure I have enough. You give anyway. God says, I'll I'll meet your need. Don't, Don't even worry about that. Don't be anxious about it. No, I'll meet your need. And so we give. And God gives us more resources to meet more needs. It's an amazing thing. In fact, we see this in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus was talking about this very thing. He says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom or like fall into your lap for with the same measure that you use or give it will be measured back to you so if we think about it this way if we if we like to have more resources then we should give more right it's it's not the opposite sometimes we think well i, I need i need to keep all i have so i have enough It doesn't work that way in god's kingdom So the apostle John he kind of talking about the same thing in 1 John chapter 3 verse 16. He says by this we know love because he Jesus laid down his life for us. So we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. As I mentioned before, there's a great example in the New Testament. It's actually in the book of Acts. There's a gal there. I I assume she's an older gal, but you know what she loved to do? She was really good at making clothes. I mean, maybe she would knit, sew, seamstress. I'm not exactly sure all she did. But her name's Tabitha. There's a whole section in the book of Acts talking about Tabitha and how generous she was. In fact, I'll read it to you in Acts chapter 9, verse 36. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda. So they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room where Tabitha lay. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes that Tabitha had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room, and then he knelt and he prayed. Turning to the body, he said, get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up, he gave her his hand and helped her up. and Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he presented her to them alive. The news spread throughout the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. That was a notable, notable miracle. Tabitha was dead, and, and now she's alive. But, but the impact of all that, or the, the reason all those people were gathered together and wanted Peter, Peter to come, is because of the kind things that Tabitha, Tabitha had done for them. Making clothes and, and giving to the poor. So James continues this question, verse 18. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my deeds, my good deeds. So what we see here is that faith and good deeds, they, they go hand in hand. They're, they just come together. They're They're inseparable. In fact, as we help others, this is a, a mystery. As we help others, we're actually helping Jesus. We're serving Jesus. We're giving to Him. What do I mean by that?' The interesting parable that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 25. And he uses this term, the, "the king." The king he's talking about is actually himself. The king will say to those on his right. or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing, when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. That takes on a a, a whole different impact when we think about the fact that as we as we help others, share with others, meet the needs of others, um, bless others. We're doing it as unto the Lord and actually to the Lord. And apparently there's reward in heaven for this kind of thing as well. So James continues, verse 19. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. And he says, good for you. But even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Now, why would James bring up demons in the conversation. What does that have to do with anything? Well, he tells us, James is giving us a, he's giving us sort of a severe, stark example here for those who know the truth, but they refuse to act upon the truth. Those who know the truth, but they refuse to act upon the truth. Because you see, demons, they know the truth, but they refuse to believe. They refuse to act upon the truth. Now, we can't uh, understand fully the mystery that occurred in the, in the angelic realm, how a third of the angels uh, rebelled against God. But they know the truth, but they've refused to act upon that truth. So on occasion, Jesus would come in conflict with demons. So in the, one occasion is in Matthew chapter 8, verse 29. It says, suddenly, the demons cried out, saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us? Before the time. So you see, they know there's going to come a time when they're going to be judged for their rebellion. In fact, we see a glimpse into the judgment in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. It says, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So I think James, again, he's trying to get us to wake up a little bit. This is a serious thing. If you say you have a confession of faith, that you're a believer in Jesus, there's, there's got to be some good actions, good deeds, good fruit coming out a result of that. So James is going to answer that question that was asked earlier, the question he gave to us, verse 20. He concludes, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? That, that's... That's pretty powerful. <laughs> yeah. So now James, what he's going to do is give, him, give us two examples of a man of faith and a, and a woman of faith. He's going to use Abraham as the, the godly example, a man of faith, and he's going to use a woman named Rahab as a woman of faith. Interesting, if you think about these two so Abraham is, is the hero of the Jewish people. He's the, the patriarch. He's the beginning of the, of the nation of Israel. They look to Abraham as their founding father, as it were. And Rahab, who's Rahab? Well, she's not Jewish. She's a Canaanite. She was living in a town called Jericho when the Israelites came in and began to uh, possess the land. And so she did something um, pretty profound and he's going to talk about it here in just a minute. So he begins at verse 20. He says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Now go back and you remember the story. God had told Abraham through your seed, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And he was talking about Isaac. So Abraham had had one legitimate son. His name was Isaac. And so Isaac is growing up now as he's, he's He's a young man, 13, 14, 15. We don't know for sure, but he's a young man. And God told Abraham, uh, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac, and I want you to take him up on top of that hill right over there, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. So Abraham didn't delay. He took Isaac up the hill, even made him carry the wood for the sacrifice. And as Abraham is getting ready to pull out the knife and, and kill his son of promise, course, God stopped him. We know, we know the end of the story. But Abraham would have done it. You see, that, that faith coupled with the obedience to God is why he's being used as, as an example here. You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say Abraham believed God and God counted him as, a, as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do and not by faith alone. So now James is going to move from Abraham as an example of faith to Rahab. We see it in James chapter 2, verse 25. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So there's Rahab living in Jericho. Um, she's, a, she's a Canaanite, and she hears, she hears rumors of what is going on with Israel, their deliverance out of Egypt, and they're heading, they're heading their direction. And she, what does she choose to do? She, she chooses to reject the gods of the Canaanites and embrace the gods, the God of the Jews. And so to the proof of that is when these two spies came into Jericho to see what was going on in the city, she, she received them and she hid them. And so she's honored here as a woman of God, as a woman of faith because of her good deeds. And he conclu- concludes here, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. I'm reading now from Joshua about that story, Joshua chapter 6, verse 25. Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So one of the unique things about the people of Israel is they were told to embrace outsiders, to embrace foreigners, and bring them in and and treat them as fellow Israelites. So here's Rahab. She's got a lot of things Going for that are that are not great she 's a canaanite she 's a prostitute, but she saved those two spies, and the result of that was her whole family was saved, and it says she dwells in Israel to this day, so not only is she welcomed into the people of Israel, but she actually is included in the lineage that it would eventually flow to Jesus Christ and we see that in Matthew chapter one, verse five, where he 's talking there about the lineage, and it says here, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was, was Rahab. So think about this. Rahab now is part of, part of the Jewish community, and she marries Salmon, and they have a son, and their son is named Boaz. You've heard that name probably before from, from the book of Ruth. So Boaz now was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. So now Boaz, the son of, of Rahab now, follow me. <laughs> Don't get too complicated here. So Boaz now marries Ruth. So Ruth isn't the Jewish Israelite either. She, she's a Moabite, Moabitess. Another story, book of Ruth. And so they get married and they have Obed. That's the name of their son. And Oban, Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. Isn't that amazing? Because of her faithfulness, in, to believe in, in God and to, and to show good works by hiding these spies. Now she's in the lineage that leads to Jesus Christ, our Savior. All right, I want to try to wrap all this up. I want to go ahead and invite the worship team to go ahead and, go ahead and make your way up to the front. That would be great. So James is encouraging us. He's encouraging you and me to take a good long look in the mirror and ask yourself this question, am I truly saved? Am I a bona fide believer in Jesus Christ? Is he my Lord and Savior? So if you're still not sure about your salvation, today I want to help you to be sure about it by asking, I want to ask four questions. So question number one is this. Do you remember a time when you deliberately invited Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior? Do you remember a time? Now, the, the challenge can be sometimes is, you know, when, let's say we've been, Involved. We grew up in a, in a Christian family, and so it's kind of sort of inbred in us, part of our DNA. And so you ask sometimes kids of, you know, a Christian family, they'll say, you know, when, when did you come to know Jesus? Well, you know, I kind of always grew up in the church, and, you know, my, my parents are Christians, and, you know, and, and it's kind of vague. But even, even for kids that grow up in a Christian family, there has to be a deliberate time in your life where you invite Jesus Christ personally to be your Lord and Savior. You can't can't trust others with your own salvation. And so here's Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, again, there's other groups of people, well, I've attended church my whole life. I'm, you know, Are you a believer? Well, yeah, yeah, I go to church. I go to church a lot, and it's, it's still vague. It's not good enough. There has to be a time in your life where you look back and go, that is, that is the day. That is the time. That is the event when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I'll never be the same again. So question number two, do you bear witness to the fact that the Holy Spirit is now living in you? You see, something supernatural and wonderful happens when we make that confession of faith. Literally, the Bible says that our our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. You were spiritually dead, and now you're spiritually alive because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's where that term being born again comes from, born from above. So John talks about this in 1 John 4, 13. He says, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And then the, uh, Paul brings it this way. He says in Romans eight sixteen, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So there's this, this witness, this bearing witness that we can honestly say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and the Holy Spirit lives in me, and he confirms that to me on a daily basis, L- really, literally. Number, question number three. Are you becoming more and more grounded and mature in your walk with Christ? Are you becoming more and more grounded and mature in your walk with Christ? You see, our walk with the Lord, it's kind of an interesting thing. You're either growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, or you're backsliding in your relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no middle ground. You, there's no coasting. And so, are you growing? Galatians 5, and 23 says this, the fruit of the Spirit, or we would say, you know, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so what we discover is, as we're being transformed, is the character, literally the character of God is now becoming the character of us, of me, by that maturing process. And he concludes, he says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Last question, fourth question. Do you have a desire to serve others as you serve Christ? And that's kind of what this whole thing is about. Do you have the desire to serve others as you serve Christ? John chapter 15, Jesus said this. He said, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. I mentioned earlier that whatever you're gifted at, whatever you're passionate about, whatever you just love to do, Let that be the focal point of serving others, helping people. Maybe you're a person with with a lot of resources and means and money and, you know, wealth. Then use that. Find joy in that. There's a lot of joy in giving as we do it as unto the Lord. So I want to close with this. So we began looking at this. Actually, we began with the Father's Day video. You remember that? So the Father's Day video, this was the statement that was made. Fathers are one of the most powerful forces in the universe. So I want to add to that statement, and here's what, it, what I want to say. Men and women who have made a confession of faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, men and women who have been sealed and filled with the Holy Spirit, men and women who are filled with the love of God and are living out their faith with a life of action and good works, they are the most powerful force in the universe because they represent the Lord Jesus Christ in the world today. That's you, and that's me, and that's us. Lord, we ask you to affirm affirm in us even now, Lord. Give us that witness of the Holy Spirit that we truly are saved and born again, bona fide believers in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And Lord, equally so, if there's anyone among us that's not truly saved, Lord, I pray today that they would be so convinced of the truth that t- today would be the day that they make that decision to fully confess and give their lives over to you. Lord, thank you that you're so you know gracious and kind. You you meet us exactly where we are. You know the struggles and trials that we all deal with in life. And yet Lord in the midst of all that you want to you want to give us something profound and, and rich and deep and good. And Lord we do want to impact the world for you. Or by serving others, thank you that they actually were serving you, and there's rewards for that, and we thank you for that so much. So Lord, we just want to give you thanks for all these things we pray in Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen, amen. So I've invited the worship team up. They've been waiting a long time, but I got one more thing I want to show you, okay? (coughs) All right. So coming into our new space here, the worship center, we, we wanted to make a little bit more deliberate effort to help those that are new believers to begin to get plugged in and grow in their their walk with the Lord. So we created this little packet right here. Isn't that cool? We we didn't do printing on one side. We did printing on both sides. (laughs) Yes. So as you open up this little packet for new believers, what you're going to find a number of things. First of all, you're going to find... It's a card that basically says these are the these are the times that we meet, little invitation to church, and on the bottom of it there's a QR code. Now I didn't know till yesterday what QR actually stands for. I know what it does because I've used it before. You take your phone, you know, and you put the phone. Yeah, you know what it is. Uh, QR code. But y'all know what what QR stands for? Quick response. Yeah, QR, quick response. So you put your phone on that QR code right there. It's going to take you right to our website. You're going to see all the, the things that we offer in ways that we want to encourage you as you walk with the Lord. And then we've got another card in, in this packet, and this is for new believers. So on, on the front, it's got a, a QR code again. You do that one, it's going to take you to a site where you'll be able to sign up to get baptized. If you haven't been baptized yet since you place your faith in Jesus Christ, go to that Location on our website, sign up. We're going to be having a baptism. I believe it's going to be towards the end of summer. We're going to have a, a barbecue down on the beach, bonfire. We're going to have a baptism. It's going to be super fun. Okay. And then on the back side of the same card, it has four QR codes for events, growth track, life groups, email updates. Just to, again, a way to get you started, get you plugged in, get you going. And then also, there's another card, and this one is a reading day plan for 100 days. So if you follow this reading plan, in 100 days, you can get through the whole Bible, cover to cover, okay? And then there's two more things. The next one is you will get a sticker, a harvest sticker. (laughs) Now, in case you're wondering, what does the vertical arrows mean? So the top of the arrow is God, the bottom of the arrow is me. So it's our vertical relationship with God. And from there, the other arrow is meaning our relationship with others. Because of our relationship with God, we we are able to impact the lives of others. And then the last thing in the packet, most important of all, is the Bible. So you get a whole Bible, Old and New Testament. And my encouragement to you is read the Bible every single day and you will always be growing in your walk with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. Let's go ahead and and, uh, continue. let's, Let's stand, shall we?
0: Gracious, none more kind, none stronger than our God. And Father, I pray that we would go out in that strength this week to do the things that you have called us to do. And thank you that you will give us this strength, you will empower us to do the things that you have called us to do. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you are the ultimate Heavenly Father. I just want to pray a blessing on all the fathers today. Um, Thank you for the godly men in this church and how they lead their family. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like prayer, please come forward. We'll help people to pray with you. Oh, Ron's got one more thing.
2: I forgot to mention one thing. If you are a new believer and you gave your life to Christ today, you can pick up one of these packets at the info counter right back there. Feel free, head back there when we're done. There you go.
0: Okay, so now if you would like prayer, (laughs) you can come forward. Uh, If not, we'll see you next week.